That passage from Corinthians, no doubt, is familiar to you. And it has a lot to do with what I want to talk about, although I won't be preaching from 1 Corinthians. It's important that we tie in all of the lessons that have just been read from Jeremiah, from Psalm 71, from 1 Corinthians 13. Um, I'm going to deviate from the series that we've been on in Luke because we have arrived at a point in our Wednesday night Bible study, which uh, we're doing the, the Paul's prison letters, which begin with his letter to the church in Ephesus. So we're in Ephesians and we're talking about unity in the body of Christ. And we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit and how important they are to this unity in the body of Christ. And I thought this would be an opportune time to bring the rest of the congregation into the conversation that we're, uh, we're about to start in in the Wednesday night Bible study, not this Wednesday, this week, but next week. And so you have plenty of time to digest this, and I hope this will be a little bit of a teaser for you uh, because I'm going to extend an invitation at the end of this message uh, for you to come Wednesday after next. Come this Wednesday because Kentucky Fried Chicken. But come next Wednesday because... We're going to be doing a spiritual gifts inventory. If you're not familiar with just what exactly is my spiritual gift, because everybody as a member of the body of Christ has at least one, this is your opportunity to kind of hone in on what that is, and it will become readily apparent to you that, yeah, I have that. The question is, are you using it to its full extent? And this is an opportunity to investigate that a little bit deeper, so I hope you'll take me up on it. But it starts in this discussion here in Ephesians. Now, what I'm going to talk about are four very specific gifts of the Spirit, and there are many of them. You've probably heard some of them. Leadership, administration, teaching, knowledge, wisdom, prophecy, discernment, exhortation, shepherding, faith, uh, evangelism, apostleship, service or hospitality, mercy or healing or compassion, uh, giving, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, miracles. These are just a few of the gifts of the Spirit that are mentioned in the Bible. But in Ephesians 4, there are four specific gifts, and we call them offices, because these are roles that the Holy Spirit has assigned to certain people within the body of Christ to accomplish certain things. And so let me just read Ephesians 4, 1 through 16 for you real quick. It's not a a complicated reading, but there's a lot of meat to it, so I want to get to it and and have you uh, join in as it were, with what God is already doing in the world. So, Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy 
of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See, that whole passage that Bobby read in 1 Corinthians 13 about love is the glue that holds the body of Christ together. And that's what Paul is talking about here in Ephesians. Bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Why? Because there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And then Paul says, but each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive, and he gave gifts to his people. See, it was the custom in ancient times that when you conquered something and you took all the, the prizes of conquering your neighboring country or city or whatever it was that you had conquered, when you took all of the good stuff that they had for your own as the spoils of war, you would bring it back and you would give it as gifts to the people. And so what this scripture, it's out of Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. In other words, when he conquered sin and death, captivity, when he conquered that, what, was, what had held humanity captive for all this time since the fall of Adam and Eve, when he took that captive, well, the spoils of war was that he could give gifts to the people. And through the Holy Spirit, that's what he did. And he's, it says here, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors slash teachers why to equip the saints that's everyone in the body of Christ to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of God to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. So that's a relatively long passage of Scripture. There's a lot to be discovered here if we take the time to break it down into parts. And first, let me say two things to try and focus our minds on this concept of the church, the body of Christ that Paul is, is talking about here. The first thing is, if you're taking notes, and I recommend you do during this because it's going to come in handy later as you do your spiritual gifts inventory. The church is designed by God 
to be part of the mission or sending of God. This is what the theologians like to call the missio dei, the sending of God, the mission of God. This sending of God has just one purpose. Can you guess what it is? It's to bring people back to Him. That's the reason for the body of Christ, is to woo people back to God. So our purpose here in the world as the church, the body of Christ, is to be missional. To be ambassadors for Christ and spreaders of the gospel. To be the hands and feet and voice of Jesus to this community. That's why we're here. Now, God, being a God of order, has given us in this passage of scripture from Paul a formula. And I have shared this formula with you before as we got into the discussion of spiritual gifts. I'm going to give it to you again because no spiritual gifts inventory, no discussion of spiritual gifts can take place without understanding that there's a reason for them. And it's very clear cut. God is a God of order. And so there is a formula. And you might even write the formula down. A plus B equals C. Very simple. Well, what is A, B, and C, Pastor? I know, it's math. Hmm. Get past the idea that it's math, but just understand that God is a God of order. The validity of formulas applies in His kingdom, and so it does in this passage in Ephesians. And if we look at it a little closer, I promise you this is not difficult because Paul gives us the answer. He gives us C in the equation right off. The answer is one. One. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. See, the answer to the equation is one. One. The answer is completeness. The answer is Fullness. The answer is wholeness. The answer is maturity to the full stature of Christ. So if one is the answer, then we just have to figure out what plus what equals one. And this is easier than any math class I was ever a part of because Paul gives us the answers for A and B also. Thank you, Paul. So if one is the answer... What plus what adds up to one? What is the first part of the equation? If A plus B equals C and C equals one, then what are A and B? Well, let's just look at the the scripture. We need to figure out what A is or what B is so that we can realize the complete formula that enables us to reach the answer one, the number of completeness or the number of full maturity in Christ. And so Paul writes, but each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. Well, there's A. And there's B. 
grace. Grace. Through the death and the resurrection of Christ, we were given grace. Grace is the first variable. A equals grace. Each of us is given grace through Christ who ascended on high and captured captivity itself. It means that after His death on the cross for us, after His resurrection, which conquered death and made a way for us to be reconciled to God through His blood, He ascended from His earthly mission and ministry on earth back to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And there as our mediator, as our intercessor, who daily, minutely, secondly, speaks words of love and affirmation into the Father's ear on your behalf, on my behalf. When he went there, who did he send as comforter, as counselor? The Holy Spirit. Yes? When He did that, He sent the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and with us. And what did the Holy Spirit bring with Him? He brought gifts to His people. The spoils of the conquering of sin and death. He brought the second part of the equation. He brought part B. B equals the gifts of the Spirit. A plus B equals C. Grace plus the gifts of the Holy Spirit equals the fullness of Christ. That's not too difficult to understand, is it? We have the whole equation, all the parts. Grace plus the gifts of the Holy Spirit equals the fullness of Christ, maturity in Christ, completeness, oneness. So we have the basic elements of the equation. Let's dig a little bit deeper into these gifts that God gives us through the Holy Spirit. He says, the gifts He gave were that some would be apostles. That's the first one. Some would be prophets. Some evangelists. That's three. And some pastors and teachers. That's four. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. So that makes sense. It's pretty straightforward. Why these specific four? Well, if we read a bit further, it says that he gave them for the sole purpose to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Well, that makes sense also. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip the saints, that's all believers, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Are you with me? I know it's it's Sunday morning and it's early, but this is good stuff, and I hope that you will embrace it as you pursue your own spiritual gift. So let me ask you this. How long do we, the body of Christ, the church, how long do we have these gifts? How long does God intend for us to keep up the equipping of the saints and the building of the body of Christ? Well, Paul gives us the answer to that too. We will have this equipping of the saints and building up of the body of the Christ until 
all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. In other words, all of us are called to do the work of ministry, and some are called to the specific roles of apostles, some are called to be prophets, some are called to be evangelists, and some are called to be pastors and teachers, until everyone within the body of Christ comes to the solution to God's equation, which is oneness, maturity in Christ. Until all of us come to perfect unity in the faith and the knowledge of Christ and to the fullness of maturity in Him. Well, when does that happen? See, I see pastors and teachers in the church today. I see them. And I see evangelists in the church today. The two that I struggle with sometimes are are the apostles and the prophets. Because I don't really see that too much in the church today. And if I do see them, I'm not all that sure that they're the real thing. You know what I'm saying? There's been a whole lot of false prophets in the world these days. So many people making claims and professing some kind of knowledge about end times that none of the rest of us seem to be privy to. There are deceivers and charlatans making claims for their own purposes and agendas, monetary gain. You see them out there. So generally, we've we've got this culture of skepticism even within the church where when someone claims to be a prophet or an apostle, well, we don't really trust, do we? There's this present age of darkness in which we live and we have a tendency, especially in the Western culture in this country, to see apostles and prophets as something of the past. Well, here's the issue with that. Paul says that all four of these offices are called for the work of equipping the saints. That's all four of them are given to complete the work to get all of us to the fullness of Christ. So without all four of those gifts of the Holy Spirit in play, how can we ever reach the solution, the fullness of Christ, the answer of one? We have to have all four, not just in the early church, not just in church gone by, but here and now in the present. And so we have to take a closer look at apostles We have to take a closer look at prophets. What are apostles? So if if I look at the original Greek, apostolos, which means messenger, envoy, one who's commissioned and sent forth, bearing the full authority of that who sends them. Which is interesting because if I look for the Latin word that goes with that definition, guess guess what that word is? In Latin, it's missio. Ah, that's the root for missionary. Missionaries fill the apostolic function of the church today. And we have to take care not to limit our understanding of the missionary function to digging water wells in Central America 
or taking medical teams to Africa and, and whatnot. Yes, those are missionaries, and yes, they're performing that function. But we also have to remember that the apostolic function of the church, of the missional church, is to be the church in our own community as well. Take the mission and sending of God to the people who need to know them right here in this community. So I think I get apostles in the church today. What about prophets? Well, let's look at the prophetic function of the church. Who are prophets and what is their function? According to the Greek word for prophet, prophetus, which means a poet, a person gifted in expositing divine truth, one who speaks forth by the inspiration of God, one who declares the mind of God, which sometimes but not always predicts the future. So the prophetic function of the church is that part of the sending of God into the community to speak forth the mind of God. So with that understanding, we can see that the prophetic function of aligning ourselves with the mind and will of God is still alive in the church today. But the apostles and the prophets are us. You didn't know you were an apostle. You didn't know you were a prophet. As we do the work of the saints ministering to the people, we have to be diligent about spreading this prophetic word. And what is the prophetic word in Christ's message? Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. That's prophetic word, folks. And we have to always be telling the people that his return is imminent and that they have to be ready. Now, granted, as the church, as the body of Christ, globally, we've probably neglected this apostolic and prophetic function. Otherwise, all these seats would be full. Not just this church, but every church. And those of us that are called to those roles, well, how long did I hesitate before I finally relented to the call of pastor and teacher? A long time. And so I understand if you have some hesitancy to acknowledge and use the gift because we have this established culture of skepticism out there. Even in and among ourselves as believers, there's no getting around, though, that the truth that each of these offices, each of these callings are required here and now so that we can complete this work of equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And we have to keep doing it until all of us come to the unity of the faith. Until all of us have the knowledge of the Son of God. Not just a little bit, but to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. See, it's not just a mission. It's not just offices for the early church. This is for 
Countryside United Methodist Church. If we're to fulfill our role as ministers in our community, then we need to honor the gifts and the roles we've called, we've been called to be. And then Paul tells us why. It's nice to know why, isn't it? Because we must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And see, this is our mission. And each of you has within you the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit to be ministers of the faith to this community. There's no minimum age requirement. There's no age limit. Because each of you as a believer in Jesus has within you the abiding love of Jesus to be the missional church you're called to be. And we can go forward as the body of Christ keeping our eyes on the cross Heeding the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so the invitation is here. If you want to know what your spiritual gift is. Your individual spiritual gift. If you want to know where your role is. In joining in with what God is doing in this community. Then come. Wednesday after this one. Find out what your spiritual gift is. It's very simple. We'll do it all together. And then we'll talk about it. And then you will have a clearer understanding of what your role is as a member of the body of Christ in motion, in motion in this community. That's what we're called to do. It's not the body of Christ within the four walls of Countryside United Methodist Church. It's the body of Christ in motion in the community. Because God's in motion. What happens when part of the body stops moving, quits breathing, stops functioning? It's dead. Body of Christ is meant to be in motion constantly. For how long? Until he comes again and we all get to celebrate and rest. Someday. In the meantime, we have a job to do, and I hope we will do it together. Out there in the mission field, proclaiming the name that is above all names and to whom every knee shall bow, Jesus Christ, forever he reigns in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen.